Money FM 89.3. Best of your money. Market View on Money FM 89.3. Good morning, I'm Michelle Martin. 9.04 on the clock. Asia-Pacific shares are trending higher this morning on the back of overnight gains on Wall Street. Tokyo and Seoul are both up about 0.8%. Sydney is trending near the flat line, but it's still in the green. So what exactly is moving markets? Joining me now to help answer that question as we break down all the market action. Good Thursday morning, Ryan Huang. Happy Thursday, Michelle. Let's start this morning with the U.S. markets, which rallied overnight. The Nasdaq jumped 1.5%. S&P 500 closed up nearly 1%. Most market headlines are focused on the Fed minutes, and we're going to get to that in a moment. But first, I want to take a look at a different angle, earnings, particularly retail earnings. Shares of high-end department store Nordstrom jumped 14% overnight. Caleras, the owner of famous footwear, did even better. Its shares surged nearly 30%. So, Ryan, much of the U.S. retail earnings to date has been doom and gloom. For example, if we look like Target and Walmart and big box stores. But Nordstrom and Caleras tell a different story. How so? Yeah, if you look at Walmart and Target, they painted a picture of how consumers may be holding back on spending on goods and maybe moving towards more services or even to cheaper items or house brands. So that's been the picture in the past week or so. And then we've got another round this week that started to paint a more mixed bag of data. And in this case, in the latest round overnight, we got the numbers from Nordstrom and Calares and they were more optimistic. And if you look at what the CEO of Nordstrom is saying, the company says it's been able to capitalize on demand from people who are shopping for long-awaited occasions. So as pandemic restrictions ease up, people going back for weddings, reunions, job interviews, you know, this sort of thing. So buying up all those things they've been waiting to buy or not been buying in the past few years. So that's been a bit of revenge spending helping some of these retailers. And also, they are quite optimistic about new product segments. Nordstrom also talking about selling shoes from Allbirds and this is a sustainable sneaker brand so it's got its eye on a few niche markets as well. And if you look at Calaris, they are reporting a better first quarter than expected at $1.32 when it comes to earnings. A huge increase from just 16 cents in the year ago quarter. So that's a huge jump in terms of what's happened last year and what's happened now in terms of the revenge spending coming back. And if you look at the outlook from Claris, they have also raised their earnings outlook. So while you've got some retailers talking about a potential recession, the R word, a slowdown, some of them are doing better than others. Certainly looks like it. Another possible sign of possible bullishness in the US economy when it comes to investors, the small cap index, the Russell 2000, outperformed larger companies and it rose 2% overnight. Another stat that caught my eye this morning, share purchases by corporate insiders over in the US is on the rise. An analyst at Market Watch has been tracking this and says it could signal a 15% rally in the S&P 500 going forward. What is the argument here? Oh, it's quite a strong argument. I'm looking at all the data points and it really is quite convincing. So the fundamental reason here is he's looking at data and it points to how conditions are being oversold. And this is about how he is watching many of these company insiders buying stock. You have to remember many of these companies in the past few years have seen their stock prices 
go down, going through a bit of a slump. Even then, market insiders, company owners did not buy the stock in such a big fashion as now. So they are now really coming back to buy the stock. So you are looking at company insiders coming out in a stronger fashion to just snap up these stocks. And it really suggests that maybe it is signaling that things will turn around. That oversold signal is just flashing even louder and it might bounce back and it's seeing how these company insiders are looking at value in their own companies. Of course, you have to believe that they know their company better than anyone else and they are what some people call the smart money and that's what they are betting on, the future of their own company and putting their money where their mouth is, just buying their own stock. So that's one signal. And if you look at one of the metrics that the analyst is looking at, the ratio of companies with insiders buying to those selling has doubled to Mm. 0.95, doubled. And this is above the average since 2016 or 0.47. So you are looking at that among many other metrics just pointing to oversold signals. So we see that more corporate insiders are buying shares and selling them. Their purchases in dollar terms are on the rise as well. The columnist at Market Watch who thinks this signals a rally is Michael Brush. Ryan, what do you think of Brush's argument? Okay, so you have an interesting argument here that Market Watchers may get it right, but you have a very... I guess, difficult outlook ahead because there are so many moving parts that could just take a turn for the worse when it comes to the Ukraine war, the China slowdown. So all these things, despite historical patterns, could not play out the way we've seen in the past. You know, it's a new normal. How things will play out will not be according always to the track record. So I think that is what I would take away from the story here. All right, even for Coinbase, as insider buying, a director recently buying $75 million worth of Coinbase at a range of 63 to $72. Coming up, we're going to take a look at the crypto market, by the way, at 10.05. But first, let's turn to the U.S. Federal Reserve minutes now. This record of their meeting a few weeks ago indicates broad agreement among the Fed governors that they may have to raise interest rates in the fight against inflation to levels that would weaken the U.S. economy. So, Ryan, does this assessment increase the likelihood of the so-called hard lending, one that will lead to a recession? And if that is the case, why haven't the markets reacted more strongly to it? Yeah, the concern was how higher rates might derail the economic rebound by raising borrowing costs and just making things difficult or more difficult for revival in the economy. So raising it too much, too fast might have that effect and lead to that so-called hard lending. But going by the minutes, we had a bit of a reinforcement of expectations of 50 basis point hikes in the coming few meetings. So that's pretty much going according to script and quite well communicated. So no surprises to upset investors. So they kind of like the certainty and also the 50 basis point scope gives them more leeway to do even more if required and just recalibrate if you have more data down the road. So I think that gives them the confidence that the Fed is able to steer things to a what's called soft landing rather than hard landing.
Central bankers in the U.S. and across the globe have usually been quite direct in their assessment of monetary policy. Gone are the days of so-called Fed speak where analysts could spend days dissecting the meaning of a phrase like rational exuberance. Remember that? Transparency is normally appreciated by the banks, but I saw a piece in Bloomberg this morning that questions whether this trend to straight talk by the Fed and other central bankers is really a good thing. Why is that? Hmm. It's a very interesting question, right? How clear should you be clear when you talk about your policies? In a way, policymakers need to give themselves enough wiggle room in order to wiggle out of any (laughs) trouble in future. Because as we've seen in the past, things can really change very fast. You saw how Fetcher Jerome Powell was talking about how things would be transitory. And of course, things did not play out that way. So many policymakers have taken the road to become clearly vague or vaguely clear, just giving themselves enough to give some direction, but not enough specifics for them to not unwind that position. And that is what I think they have to do in terms of balancing act. You don't want to give away too much, but at the same time, you want to give the market enough to know what to expect, that the markets are not going to be taken by surprise. And for the case of India, you've got the Indian Central Bank Governor talking about how an interest rate hike would be a no-brainer. But the concern here is if things really take a turn for the worse in terms of how we might get even more stronger evidence of a recession, then that may be a bigger question mark. So you want the markets to not fully price it in that sense. You still want them to be able to have that vague certainty, I would call it, about where things would go because you know, things can really change. And if things do change, that jarring impact of reversing costs will have a much more detrimental impact. Let's turn to Twitter and the Elon Musk report now. Musk is refinancing his purchase of the social media giant. So Elon Musk will no longer need to rely on a margin loan that's tied to his holdings of Tesla that will provide an additional six billion US dollars in equity. So looking at more equity and not a margin loan, how does this change reduce Musk's risk, Ryan? Okay, so what we had before was some of the financing tied to the Tesla stake or this is stake in Tesla. So that is gonna mean less risk for Elon Musk because as we've seen since he announced his stake in Twitter. Tesla's stock price has been slumping and that brings down the value of the collateral that's been pledged to the entire deal. So without that luggage or that so-called burden, it now gives more certainty and more confidence to the entire package and it also, in a way, gives more confidence that a deal could be done because with the value of the more solid equity financing, you've got more backers putting up more money rather than collateral. That is something I think deal watchers will take away that, hey, Elon Musk is one step closer to a deal because he's put up even more money and he's gotten more investors on board. Do you think this change in financing increases the likelihood that this purchase is going to go through at the existing offer price? After all, Twitter's share prices dropped substantially since Musk first made his bid. It is still quite a big question mark, right? Do you expect the world's richest man to pay such a huge premium, $54.20 per share, when Twitter's stock price is around $40 right now? So it's a huge premium. And maybe he will be willing to pay for it because he's just that rich and he just wants his way. So that could be one way. You also remember, if he doesn't pay for it, he has to pay a breakup fee of a billion dollars. So that is also quite hefty. So he's kind of stuck in two places, rock and a hard place. So it does move forward slightly 
the expectations or the probability that he will get a deal done because he is just arranging the financing in line. And it is looking by most metrics and reports that he's working hard to get it over the finishing line. Twitter shares jumped on the news overnight. They rose 4% and are up nearly another 6% in after-hours trade. Meanwhile, Twitter has been a hit with a 150 million US dollar fine by regulators for giving advertisers user information they shouldn't have. And they're booting a friend of Elon Musk's from the board. What do you make of this? Yeah, that friend is Egon Durban. He is the co-CEO and managing director of private equity firm Silver Lake. So he has been booted out of the board. So looking at what an advisory firm, ISS or Institutional Shareholders Services, they had recommended against his re-election because he serves on the boards of more than five publicly traded companies. So there was one reason I think investors were digesting and maybe they didn't like how Elon Musk deal would play out and they kind of also thought maybe the deal won't play out and just booted up his ally and he didn't get enough votes eventually. So you have quite a split camp between those who expect the deal to be done and those who are looking forward to the deal to be done. And in this case, I think Twitter shareholders decided to kick out Egon Durban and some of them are not expecting the deal to go through. All right, time for a game of Up or Down. NVIDIA, the chip maker. All right, NVIDIA is going to be down for me. So they are just reporting a bit of a gloomier outlook. The guidance going forward is lighter and they are also reflecting what many tech industry players have been talking about a slowdown in hiring as those post-pandemic conditions become less lucrative indeed so down for nvidia for me the chip maker's first quarter revenue has come in below expectations leading to a sell-off only in its shares not only but in other semiconductor companies as well in fact let's look at meta is that an up or down for you ryan well, Meta is going to be, I think, an up for me. It's in the news for various headlines, but it's expanding its partnership with Microsoft over artificial intelligence. So I will go with an up because this will put it on course for its metaverse ambitions. All right. Mark Zuckerberg says his plans to invest heavily in the metaverse will likely result in loss of significant money on the project over the next three to five years. So I'm going to say down mm. for me. Locally listed Japan Foods. All right, Japan Foods, it's the owner of Ajisen and many other restaurants. I would go with up. So profits are higher by around 46.4% to $4.9 million. So it's doing well. And it's off the back of revenue, up 2.9%. And these are for the six months for its financial year, 2021 ended March. So it's off the back of some improvement in contributions from its new halal restaurant brand, Tokyo Shikudo. So that's seen an expanded number of outlets and contributed to the ex- increase in profits. Yeah, definitely. Uh, we love our Japanese food here. And clearly, so do a lot of eaters. Japan Foods reporting record profits up more than 45% in the first quarter of the year. I meant diners. I'm not the sharpest tool in the box this early in the morning. All right, condo prices in Singapore? I would go with up, unfortunately, for those looking to buy. It's going to get more expensive because if you go by a bit of a study done by the National University of Singapore Real Estate, 71% of developers expect unit prices of new launches in the next six months to go up moderately or substantially higher. So that's showing 24% expecting new launch prices to maintain at the same level and 5% only 
expecting it to be lower, but 71% expecting them to be higher. Of course, we've seen how the costs of materials, cost of wages, pretty much has been contributing to rising cost of living and property projects are not spared. Looks like condo prices are headed up. Singapore developers are looking to hike prices. Anybody want to buy my investment property? Where is it? Teluk Kura. What do you think? Oh, that's a good spot. It's a one-bedroom baby penthouse. Yeah, but the name of the property game these days is buy higher and sell higher. It's always going up. (laughs) All right. You can slide into my DMs if you're interested, by the way. Uh, Let's look at No Signboard. No Signboard, the seafood restaurant operator, I think will be an up. It's gotten some good news. So some last-minute deal done to bring in rescue funding to the tune of $5 million. And this is from an unnamed investor and also notably just ahead of today's hearing at the High Court for a moratorium request where it's trying to get its application approved to just ensure no resolutions are passed to wind up the companies and that no legal process can be commenced against it. So it's trying to keep operations going on and that $5 million could go some way towards getting it back on the line again. This one is quite tough to call. No signboard has been at risk of going out of business, but appears to have found a lifeline that unnamed investor willing to put up as much as $5 million into the debt-laden restaurant. So I'll go with an up for no signboard. Are you a no signboard fan? I'm more of a jumbo seafood fan, but I am happy with all seafood restaurants. Me too. Anything that serves crab, I'm a happy diner. Let's turn to the Singapore economy now. The latest GDP numbers are in and Singapore's economy appears to be doing well, growing by 3.7% in the first quarter. But the full year growth picture, not so clear. Why is that, Ryan? Yeah, you've got quite a bit of uncertainty in the outlook for where things are going. It's not just for Singapore, it's pretty much for the entire global economy. So if you look at the latest first quarter GDP press release from the Ministry of Trade Industry, they highlighted a couple of potential downside risks. And this involves what's happening in Ukraine, of course, the inflation pressures from higher commodity prices, and also the tighter monetary policy settings that are expected to come forth from the Federal Reserve. And of course, if things pick up in terms of tightening faster than expected, it can lead to implications for other countries who will have to catch up with their own policy settings as well. And of course, a stronger US dollar also has implications for exports. And this is something Singapore is watching very closely. And if you just sum it up, Singapore is talking about how the external demand is looking weaker than just three months ago. So it's really changed in this short span of time. And I think one factor is, of course, China, where you've got the lockdowns. Still quite a bit of a question mark, even though Shanghai says it's going to be resuming back to normal come mid-June. You never know if things can you know, change. So that's something that is going to hold up optimism, or at least keep a lid on it right. in some sense. All right, Ryan. In the meantime, this is my lunch after June the 1st. Tell me what you think. <laughs> so chicken rice on the menu but you've got a bit of a twist on it yeah yeah I think I'll share this with everybody a little bit later it's a cute meme that's going around do you have a substitute for chicken rice at all um I'll just eat more vegetables <laughs> if chicken becomes so expensive I don't know I don't think there is a substitute really alright thanks for joining us here on Market View before acting on the information on Money FM, please consider if it's suitable for your own investment objectives financial situation and risk tolerance. To listen to more great interviews, download our podcasts at moneyfm893.sg or download our audio app. That's A-W-E-D-I-O. Available on Google Play or the App Store.